you. Good morning. Well, as Pastor Sheldon said, I am usually on the other side of this wall, right over here. (laughs) So a lot of you I get to see, but I spend most of the time with the kids. The first grade through sixth graders, kids church right over there. Um, We are excited about what is happening in Watford City. Me, as someone who grew up here, I was literally born in the Watford City Hospital. I love seeing people flock to Watford City. When I was a kid, no one would ever come to Watford City. It wasn't on the way to anything. (laughs) When I was in high school, I'd talk to people in different places in the state or whatever. Do you know where Watford City is? Uh, No. (laughs) So I love it. It's so exciting to have many, many people here and for this to be such a popular place where God is doing something and many people are receiving opportunity that they couldn't find anywhere else. I want to talk about um, our kids' ministry just for a little bit. There are three specific things that guide our kids' ministry. Number one is safety. We strive to take care of the kids, not only physically, but also spiritually. That is so important to us. Another thing that guides us in kids' ministry here is God's word. We strive to teach the kids the word of God, to help them understand the truth and the truth about life. One of the things we studied is the Ten Commandments. And we talk about how the first four of the Ten Commandments teach us how to keep right relationship with God. Uh, Do not have any other gods before him. Do not make for yourselves any idols. Do not disrespect the name of the Lord your God. And number four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Then the last six of the Ten Commandments Teach us how to stay in right relationship with other people. Do not lie. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not covet what is your neighbor's and honor your father and mother. The third thing that guides our kids' ministry, and this is really from my heart, is to believe that every child has their own story that is yet to be told. God created each one of those kids with unique giftings, with unique interests that he wants to have a purpose fulfilled through. And I also believe that of all of you here in this room, God has a unique story for each of you. No two kids are going to end up with the same life story, and each one of you have a unique path. The person that is sitting next to you is different. They may have uh, different skills. They have different life experiences. They have different perceptions than you. And there's a reason for all of that. God made each of us so very, very important. And he wants us to live this life undaunted, without fear, daring to do what God has called you to So I have a question. Have you ever gone on an adventure? Think about that word adventure. Planned or unplanned? Have you ever been on an adventure? Have you ever had one of those days you just won't ever forget? (laughs) We like adventures. We look forward to them when they're planned. 
Maybe a trip to visit friends that live a far off distance. Finally, running a marathon that you've trained for for months. Having a child join your family. Or eating that Thanksgiving turkey you've been waiting for all year long. Sometimes that's really exciting. But there are also the adventures that are unplanned. Have you ever locked your keys in your car? Have you ever been driving when suddenly a blizzard starts and you are out on the North Dakota plains with many, many miles yet to your destination? Or maybe getting a phone call that says, get to the hospital right now, they say there's not much time. Those are unplanned adventures, and they take a lot more bravery. We typically have to drop everything planned and decide to move forward into a place of unknown outcome. Well, God was up for an adventure when he created you, and God wanted the story of your life. He chose to give each of us a unique setting with a variety of characters to explore this adventure with. Now, some characters will make things more difficult. Some will make them easier, and some will make them a whole lot of fun. But there are different people in each of your stories. God has a plan, but the choices are ours. He chose to make your life a journey, places where you'll say yes or no, decisions that you will make. Will we face disappointments? Yes, we will. Disappointments will come. But know that God created you. When he created you, he smiled. He loves you so much and you are so important to him. We are not placed here to be, a, in a, to be a character in a story that's already written. No. Our story isn't finished yet. God made you on purpose for a purpose. I was wondering if you would take your Bibles out with me at this time. <clears throat> this is just a little commercial for kids. This Bible is one of my favorites. It's called the Fire Bible for Kids. I highly recommend it if you're looking for a Christmas present for your child. If you would take out your Bibles and turn to the book of Esther. Right in the middle of the Bible is Psalms. Just a couple books to the left is the book of Esther. Esther, chapter 1, starting at verse 1. If you have a Bible that has titles for the chapters, different sections, mine says, Queen Vashti Deposed. Well, what was happening here in Esther was that King Xerxes wanted a new wife. Queen Vashti had frustrated him had not done what he had wanted. He wanted a new wife. King Xerxes had his staff go out looking for different women. 
He had his staff give beauty treatments and special food to all the young women in the land to prepare them for the king. He was choosing his next wife. There was this young girl named Esther, and she was described as having a lovely figure and was beautiful. Now, Esther had lost her mom and dad, so uh, her cousin, Mordecai, was kind of like her foster dad. He stepped up to the plate, said, I will take care of Esther in the absence of her mom and dad. And Mordecai cared about Esther very, very much. One of the things that he told her was not to disclose the information of what nationality she was or who her people were. So under Mordecai's direction, Esther had not revealed her nationality or family background to anyone. Esther was given lots of options at the palace. She could wear whatever clothing and jewelry she wanted, but Mordecai wanted her to be safe. He would take a walk every day to find out how Esther was and what was happening to her. Chapter number two. Does any of yours have a section title there? What does the section title say? Esther was made what? Queen. Esther made queen. Well, she was chosen. If you look at chapter 2, verse 17, it says, Now the king was attracted to Esther more than to any of the other women, and she won his favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. And the king gave a great banquet, Esther's banquet, for all his nobles and officials. He proclaimed a holiday throughout the provinces and distributed gifts with royal liberality. liberality. All right. Mordecai uncovers a conspiracy. Well, if you read through the whole book of Esther, you'll find that there's kind of a soap opera involved. Different people with selfish interests, wanting to take on all all the power. There was this guy named Haman, and he had received additional power in King Xerxes' ruling government. And the royal officials knelt down and paid honor to Haman. Well, Esther's adopted dad, Mordecai, would not bow down to Haman. Well, Haman was enraged and thought about how to have Mordecai put to death. Mordecai's people were the Jews, and Haman wanted to destroy them all. Haman said to King Xerxes, There is a certain people dispersed among the peoples in all of your provinces of your kingdom who keep themselves separate. Their customs are different from all of the other people, and they do not obey the king's law. It is not in the king's best interest to tolerate them. So Haman proposed something to King Xerxes. How about a decree be issued to destroy them? And I'll give 10,000 talents of silver to the kings and administrators for the royal treasury. And so it was decreed. King, King Xerxes said, ah, keep the money. We'll go ahead and write the decree. We want everybody to bow down. Well, 
Esther's adopted dad, Mordecai, found out about this recent law. In fact, every province, every language, to the king's highest officers, the governors, and the nobles, dispatches were sent by courier to every province. The order was to destroy, kill, and annihilate all of the Jews. Mordecai went into seclusion. He put on sackcloth and ashes. Then he went into the city wailing loudly. Mordecai knew this was serious and would result in complete destruction. Well, Esther had great compassion on Mordecai. This was horrible for all of her people. And if you will look at Esther chapter 4, verse 13... Mordecai, just as dads do for their daughters at times, explained to her how important this was. He said in verse 13, Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. So this was a a point in Esther's story where she had some decisions to make. Her dad just said, God will find a way to save our people. But perhaps it's you who can make a decision right now. That can save all of us. Well, what did Esther do? She said, okay, I need some help here. You and all of the Jews of Susa must gather and fast for me. My maids and I will do the same. And then, thought it again, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. Even if I die, I will die. You see, all of the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they are to be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. What an adventure. Esther was standing at this place deciding what she was going to do. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to the New Testament, to the book of Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. So the fifth book into the New Testament. We're going to talk about someone else who had an adventure. Acts chapter 9 talks about Saul. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, 
Suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. Do you think they considered this an adventure? They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Verse number 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Verse 17, then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. What an adventure. Saul was headed to go kill anyone who was a Christian. He had people with him. They were traveling together on the road. All of a sudden, this light blinds him. He falls to his knees. And he had a change of heart. He was like, what is going on here? And the Lord asked, asked him, why are you persecuting me? At this point, Saul's story was not finished. In fact, Saul, who we later know as Paul, went on to write many of the books in the New Testament. He became an apostle, and he became a leader in many of the churches and leading many different individuals. But again, Paul, Saul at that point had a choice. Let's also think about Ananias here. In verse 13, or verse 10, the Lord had called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Did Ananias have a choice right here? He sure did. 
Ananias says, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. Are you sure you want me to go pray for this guy? Ananias had a choice. Would he obey God or would he run away from this guy who could kill him? This encounter that Saul had being blinded, going and praying at someone's house, and then having someone, Ananias, who knew to be scared of Saul, show up, pray for him, and now him being able to see there was something different about to happen. If you've been here the last couple Sundays, you've heard Pastor Sheldon talk about the why. When we are at the why, which decision Which road are you going to choose? Does it matter which road you choose? Mm, I'll just do the popular thing. Ananias could have said, Oh, I'll do the safe thing. Not let my life get threatened by this guy. But Ananias chose the other road in the why. He was obedient. Now, what about you? Have you had one of those adventurous days Once again, how absolutely everything stops. Time stands still. What you originally had planned, those little things don't matter at all. You need a shoulder to cry on. God has a story for each of us. He has a calling on your life and something that only you can do. Some of you have a calling from God and you are doing just that. Some of you know what God has created you to do, and you're not doing it yet. And others of you don't know what God created you to do. This applies to all of these. No matter what, your story is not yet finished. We heard from Pastor Bryce. Pastor Bryce and Eden, would you guys stand? I love these guys so much. I miss them. Pastor Bryson Eden, your story is not yet finished. There is more things on the journey ahead of you. And God wants to use you. If you will just continue to be obedient to him and seek after him. Thank you. You can be seated. Perry Ecker, would you stand? Would you stand up, Perry? Perry is one of the teachers that we have in our Sunday school program. He teaches the third and fourth grade students. He loves them very much, and he shares that. He um, works to teach them at their age level. Perry, those kids' stories aren't finished yet, but I know that your story isn't finished yet. You are a very influential man. We love you very much. (laughs) But God's story for you is not yet finished. It continues. If you haven't started what God has called you to yet, it is not too late. And if you don't know what God has created you to do, ask him. Spend time seeking God. 
In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13, it says, if you look for me, if you look for God, wholeheartedly you will find me. One of the things I love about God is he knows our heart. There's no fooling him. And if you say, yep, I'm seeking God wholeheartedly, well, God knows exactly. If you have other interests, other desires, other plans for your life that you're determined to make come true, or if you are truly seeking him wholeheartedly. God says, if you seek me, you are the one in charge of seeking God. No one else can do this for you. God wants you to personally get to know him one-on-one. This life is an adventure, and it is a journey. I just met Dee Dee this morning right here on the second row, and she said to me, life is an adventure. It is, an, it is a journey. She named off, I don't know, six, seven, eight states that she's lived in recently. <laughs> and she just moved to Watford City about five months ago. You're right. Life is a journey. It is an adventure. It's a series of choices that we make. As a child, I remember riding the school bus, and one of my friends had just finished telling me that she knew God was calling her to be a missionary in Africa. Whoa. I stopped. Really? I remember sitting back in my seat and saying, I better not get too close to God. What if he wants me to be a missionary in Africa? That sounded crazy, far away, and just not something I would want to do. So I told myself, I'll keep a distance from God just in case he has some crazy, crazy plans for me. But then I remember the day that God revealed to my heart that he had a plan for me, that he created me to do something. And it it was that revelation in my heart that said, okay, if I am called to be a missionary in Africa, I'm not going to be happy doing anything else. God, who's my creator, knows me, knows the way that I'm going to feel the most fulfilled in this life. If I choose to surrender to him, that is where I will find that purpose in life. So as I was having this revelation as a child, I thought, yeah, okay, if I'm willing to be a missionary in Africa, then maybe he's going to call me to do something else. And I bet whatever that is, is what he created me to do. If I'm willing to go to New York City and become a medical doctor, I am only going to be happy doing that. I wouldn't even like Africa if I chose to go there, sacrifice everything and not do what God had created me to do. I, I determined, yes, if he created me for that, that's what I would do. That's what, where I would be fulfilled in life. Now let's go back in your Bibles to the book of Esther. We'll pick up the story at Esther chapter 5.
So if you remember, Esther was at the Y, making the decision. The threat was out there. Anyone who goes to King Xerxes without an invitation could easily be put to death. What was she going to do? Esther chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing in the court, he was pleased with her and held out to her the gold scepter that was in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. Then the king asked, what is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be given to you. If it pleases the king, replied Esther, let the king together with Haman come today to a banquet that I have prepared for him. Bring Haman at once, the king said, so that we may do what Esther asks. So the king and Haman went to the banquet Esther had prepared. First of all, I see that Esther was very, very thoughtful. She thought through any way that she could prepare before presenting this request to the king. In fact, she made a banquet. As you go on to read, she actually did another banquet the next day. This was, this was really important to her. These people needed to be saved. A few more things happened with Haman and Mordecai. But as Esther made her request to the king, he granted it. He said, yes. The Jews will not be put to death. And he called Haman on some of the uh, power pulls that he was trying to pull together. And what happened was Haman ended up getting hanged on the place where he had chosen to execute Mordecai. So Esther was at that point, we oftentimes say, for such a time as this. She made that choice. If we go back to Saul, his history was not so good. He wanted to kill all the Christians. After his experience on the road to Damascus, being blinded, praying to God, he decided to become one of those that he used to set out to kill. Sometimes the decisions we made in the past make it hard for us to go forward. If you look at, um, in Acts chapter 9, verse 26, there's someone else that comes into the story here. Acts, or, yeah, Acts 9, verse 26 through 28. When he came into Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. Do you understand why? 
<laughs> he had threatened them not that long ago. But they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him. And how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them, moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Barnabas decided to stand up for Saul. In the kids' ministry, we've been doing a series on friends, talking about different friends in the Bible and decisions that they made and ways that they were friends to other people. And just a couple weeks ago, we did... A lesson on Barnabas. And I want to just read this to you. This is in reference to Saul's friend Barnabas. In Acts 9.26, we find that the Apostle Paul arriving in Jerusalem just after he had become a Christian. Now you have to remember that Paul was a killer of Christians before he gave his heart to God. It was hard for people to believe that he had really become a Christian. When Paul came before the Christians in Jerusalem, the people rejected him. They thought Paul was only pretending to be a Christian. But Barnabas. Barnabas knew that Paul was telling the truth. He stood up and told the disciples about how Paul had seen Jesus on the road to Damascus and had given his life to God. Then, because Barnabas was willing to stand up for Paul, the disciples accepted him. Paul became an apostle, preached, and became one of the most powerful men in the New Testament. Imagine if Barnabas had not decided to stand up for him, he may not have accomplished all that he did. Saul could have refused to go on. He could have said, eh, my story's finished. I'll go down in the history books of person who killed Christians. He could have said, I made too many mistakes to be used by God, but he didn't. The truth allows us to accept disappointments. Disappointments take a while to process, but when we can apply the truth, we can see through that. Mistakes we've made or disappointments that have hit us. <clears throat> have you ever felt struck down by disappointment? When this happens to me, I oftentimes call a friend. What in the world am I supposed to do when I'm so disappointed? What is the right thing to do? I feel horrible. That disappointment just is like a heavy cloud. When we are faced with disappointments, when we find ourselves in the midst of an adventure we would much not rather have, there is still hope. Isaiah chapter 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God can power through things 
we can't even imagine are possible. When we are faced with disappointments, we must remember that God is not unfair, silent, or hidden. He does things in ways that we could never predict. In fact, our very definition of justice comes from God himself. He is not silent. At times, he does not answer the way we want, but he has given us his word, messages of love and reassurance. God also is not hidden. In Proverbs 8, verse 17, it says, Those who seek me, find me. When disappointment hits you for a day or for a year, here's a couple of places we can go. Number one, there is comfort in our church. When you feel disappointed or struck down without hope, there's a, the best place to go is home. And for us as believers, it's here at the church. Where you are right here, right now, When you are hurting, going home is the best place to go. For us as believers, church is our home, and we need loving people to help us, support us, and at other times challenge us. Another place to go when we are disappointed is worship and praise. The church offers that on Sundays, but if you have another way to do worship and praise at your home, in your car, there's power in that. God can fill our empty souls. When we think about the truths of God's word, it can lift our burdens when we magnify him. The strength in choosing the joy of the Lord. There's two words that sometimes we use interchangeably, joy and happiness. But God offers to us joy. And he says that in his joy is strength. Happiness is rooted in positive emotions. Joy is something God divinely gives us through the power of the Holy Spirit. You could compare happiness to like sweet candy when joy is like a medicine. God offers us joy, and in that joy is strength when we face disappointments. There is also wisdom in God's word. We need to remind ourselves of God's promises. As a child, I grew up always hearing that we need to know God's promises. And I would nod my head, yep, yep, that's the answer, God's promises. But once I gave myself a test and I was like, wait, what are God's promises? (laughs) I can't read the whole Bible in just, you know, five minutes and remember all his promises. So I encourage you to give yourself a test. Stop and think, what are some of the things that God has promised us? He's promised to never, ever leave us. He's promised that his joy brings strength. In John 10, 10, it says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. I oftentimes claim that promise. God, I know you have good things for my life that you don't want the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy from me. Psalm 27, verse 13 and 14 says, I remain confident of this. I will see 
the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart and wait for the Lord. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Rachel, could you come up to the piano, please? Sometimes adventures turn into disappointments. Do you remember those adventures? Some of the ones that were planned, those were good. But the ones that were unplanned? Boom, a disappointment can just completely come over our heart. Disappointment is a sad, lonely place. People disappoint us. Our hearts get broken. Sometimes we disappoint ourselves. But we can know that God has our good in mind. We can also say, I know God has good in mind, but I feel completely hopeless. God knows when we need nurturing. We just have to make that choice to go to him. Did you know that we wouldn't have the word disappointment if it wasn't for the word appointment? God can take disappointment that hits our hearts and turn it into an appointment where we chart out a completely different course because of that. In the story of Job, God never chose to explain himself. A lot of times we say, oh, Job did such a good job. He made it through. God didn't explain. Job, now I'm going to do this. You're going to be okay. (laughs) Job just had to trust God. It was Job's choice. It's what I do with disappointment that matters. Feeling disappointment is different than being stuck in it. On the other side of disappointment, something better awaits us. Some mission God designed for us, custom tailored just for us, something that takes us not on a road to nowhere, but to a place where we can feed others just as he has fed us. Jesus said to his disciples, go. Keep going past disappointments, and surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God blesses us so we can bless others. So I ask you today, are you living and enjoying your journey? Is your story full of adventure and you're loving it? Or have you hit a disappointment? Something that put a dead end sign in your story. Remember, it's okay to feel disappointment, but to not get stuck there. We talked about the importance of a church family. And we have a church family here. I was wondering if we could call up the prayer team that was already up here this morning. If you're at a point where you've hit some disappointment, you've considered your story finished. 
I messed up, I made too many mistakes, or I just thought God was telling me this, and really he was probably telling me this, and it's too late. It's not too late. If you would like prayer about maybe a disappointment that you have roadblocking you right now, I'd invite you to come up and pray. I also want to encourage you, if you are a Barnabas, if you are someone who says, I know that God has changed this person's life. I want to help somebody. I want to come alongside them. I'd encourage you to do that. We talked about the importance of a church family, how if you are stuck in disappointment, you can find, number one, comfort in the church, number two, power in worshiping and praising the Lord, number three, strength in the joy of the Lord, and number four, wisdom in God's word. So we're just going to take a moment with just music. You can come forward for prayer if you want. But I'd encourage you to reflect in your heart on what God might be telling you. Things that might have stopped you at this point. But God's saying, go, go further, get back up. But uh, if you're stuck this morning, there's no, there's no shame in this. We're, we're just trying to ask people that are saying, hey, if you're, if you're somewhere, you need ministry right now and God to touch your life. And you just feel stuck spiritually, uh, emotionally, whatever it is. We just want to minister to, to people today. Otherwise, I'd encourage you to just begin to pray right where you're at. Just begin to ask God. Begin to get closer to him. Seek him right now. Uh, as a congregation, let's just, let's not waste these few minutes that we have right now. Let's just get close to the Lord, right, in this, in this moment. But if you're here this morning, you'd like somebody to, to pray with you today, we're going to have the prayer team stay up front here uh, when we close the service. And, uh, and you guys can come on up from your seat uh, rather than head out in the foyer or for fellowship. They're going to remain up here and, and pray for people today. But let's just get close to the Lord for a moment. Would you do that with me today? Let's just bow our heads. Heavenly Father, your word says that if we seek you, we will find you when we seek you with all of our heart. Though this morning, God, we're asking that each of us in this room would take steps forward closer to you, Lord Jesus. Father, we pray for areas of disappointment that have held us bound for many, many years. God, if there are people here today that, Lord, they can't get past that moment of disappointment, I pray, Lord Jesus, that right now, that you would release those feelings of disappointment off of their life, that they would have the ability to move forward in the things that you are calling them to. God, we come against fear in the powerful name of Jesus that tries to hold us back from the plan and purposes of God. We come against the things that would try and and steal our joy today in you, Lord Jesus. Father, those feelings that try and overwhelm us at times. We pray, Lord Jesus, right now, the joy of the Lord to be the strength of your church in this room today, right now, in Jesus' name. God, we want to receive those things. God, your word says that you are a good father wanting to give us good gifts, and no father would give his son, if he was wanting a piece of bread, would give him a stone, and if he wanted a piece of fish, would give him a serpent, but instead, God, you want to give good gifts to us. 
So God, the calling and the giftings that you've given us, Lord Jesus. Father, we just receive those things, Lord. God, I pray for people who are, who are struggling with the call upon their life. They're living purposelessly right now. God, I pray that you would begin to reveal purpose even in this moment right now in their lives. I pray, God, that you would begin directing them. You would cut through the fog and the chaos in their life right now. I pray that you would uh, begin to divide that. I just see the fog lifting right now off of your life and that purpose and the design and the callings that have laid dormant until this moment in time will now be released in Jesus' name, that there would be wisdom and revelation in your heart. I believe that there are Ananiases in this room right now, that God has placed you in a specific place, in a specific time frame to do a specific task. That maybe even in this next week or in this next month, that you will hear the voice of the Holy Spirit so clearly to go to another person and God would give you the exact words that you were supposed to give to that person. And God wants to use you in a powerful way to do that. I just pray that right now, I, and I encourage you to, to be obedient in that gift that God has for you. You're an Ananias, and you have the ability to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit with clarity, and you'll be able to minister to that person in a powerful way. So God, we just pray, Lord Jesus, that these things would just begin to be released upon our lives today. God, I thank you for Pastor Lisa this morning and the voice of the Holy Spirit that you used to speak to our hearts. God, we just pray that, that all of the disappointments that we run into, the adventures that have gone awry, that, Lord Jesus, in those moments we would come to realize, Lord, that those are just appointments for you to do something even greater in our lives. And so, God, we receive all that you have for us today. We ask, God, that you would move in a powerful way, that you, you would use each person in this room to bring encouragement, comfort, peace, love across this region as they go out, as the voice and the hands and the love of Jesus Christ. And we pray these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Amen. Praise you, God. Guy, praise God. I thank you guys for coming this morning. If you need ministry here this morning, why don't you just sneak up here? We'll continue to minister as prayer team. Otherwise, bless you. You can uh, just spend some time uh, loving on one, one another out in the foyer area today. Lord bless you guys.